0: the Girl Podcast, we're going to talk about the question to treat or not to treat a Lyme-positive dog. Now, if you haven't already checked out Podcasts 1 and 2, make sure to check those out first, where we discuss transmission, pathophysiology, testing, and clinical signs seen with acute and chronic Lyme disease. Now, when it comes to the canine patient suspected of having Lyme disease based on a positive 3DX or 4DX SNAP test, the decision to treat should be based on the presence of clinical signs. Breeds at risk for developing life-threatening chronic effects, such as golden retrievers and labradors at risk for Lyme nephritis, and presence of proteinuria or microalbuminuria. Now, we know that dogs that test Lyme negative do not need to be treated with doxycycline, regardless if they have clinical signs suspicious for Lyme disease or not. Why is that? That's because the 3DX or 4DS snap test, which looks at C6, is very accurate. When we see a positive result, remember that C6 represents natural exposure or true infection. So again, Lyme-negative dogs do not need to be treated with doxycycline. The bigger question is, what about the Lyme-positive dogs? In Lyme-positive dogs that are asymptomatic and do not have any evidence of proteinuria, treatment is generally not recommended risks of treatment with antibiotic therapy, in other words, tetracyclines, can cause secondary problems. Now, remember tetracyclines like doxycycline or minocycline can cause increased liver enzymes, gastrointestinal signs like anorexia, vomiting, diarrhea, esophagitis, or even esophageal strictures, and can promote antibiotic resistance when used inappropriately. While most of us feel comfortable dispensing doxycycline, I often think that we as veterinarians overuse doxycycline. Remember, there are a lot of factors that we need to educate pet owners about when we prescribe that doxycycline. First, when it comes to dispensing doxycycline, we want to be aware of the gastrointestinal signs that are very commonly seen with it. Anorexia, vomiting, diarrhea, esophagitis, and esophageal strictures. My own resident mate ended up developing severe esophageal strictures after doxycycline that actually required ballooning, and to this day, she rarely dispenses doxycycline. One of the biggest ways that we avoid this problem is by making sure that we're pilling the doxycycline in a meatball or following up with a small amount of water immediately afterwards. I like to give it with a small meatball and then have the pet owner feed their meal immediately after giving the meatball. That way I know the doxycycline is pushed into the stomach. If owners choose not to do that, alternatively, they can syringe 10 to 15 mils of water into the corner of the mouth to ideally help push that doxycycline into the stomach. This is one of the reasons why I don't typically advocate giving doxycycline late at night. If, for example, the pill is stuck in the esophagus and the dog is literally laying on its side sleeping for the next 10 hours, I'm concerned that that pill is going to cause a severe esophagitis. So when in doubt, I'll use a higher dose in the morning, a lower dose around evening time, and make sure that the pet owner is feeding and pilling this appropriately. The second side effect that we can see with doxycycline is light sensitivity. Now this is obviously less of an issue since dogs are covered in fur, but if you've ever taken doxycycline and gone to the beach, you will become sunburned. So it makes you much more light sensitive. If you don't believe me, feel free to Google some gross pictures of people that are sunburned after doxycycline. The third warning that we should issue to owners when giving doxycycline is that this antibiotic is inactivated by dairy products, so they can't give yogurt or milk or ice cream within a few hours of actually dosing the doxycycline. So before you reach for doxy, make sure that your pet owner is educated on how to administer it and all the potential side effects from it. Now in Lyme-positive dogs that are symptomatic, treatment should be initiated and the patient should be monitored for proteinuria. Keep in mind that clinical signs typically resolve very quickly with initiation of antibiotic therapy, typically within two to three days after you start the medication. Vaccination is not currently recommended in positive symptomatic dogs. If antibiotic therapy doesn't resolve the clinical signs or result in improvement within a few days, then the patient should be assessed and worked up for other potential diseases. In one study, non-Lyme-related causes of clinical signs were found in 40% of dogs that were originally diagnosed with Lyme disease. What does this mean? This means that a lot of dogs were testing incidentally positive for Lyme disease when in actuality they had something else going on. Other differentials should include Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, canine ehrlichiosis, orthopedic disease such as panosteitis, osteoarthritis, degenerative joint disease, or even cruciate injury, immune-mediated disease like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, etc., or even neoplasia. For this reason, in a symptomatic Lyme-positive dog that we've tentatively diagnosed with acute Lyme disease, we always want to check for proteinuria. The second important consideration is I generally do not recommend sending these patients home on corticosteroids and or NSAIDs simultaneously. Why? Because I don't want to mask the diagnostic value of antibiotic therapy or mask other underlying diseases. If a patient doesn't respond quickly within a few days, it warrants additional workup. When it comes to treating patients with Lyme disease, I typically treat with doxycycline at 5 mg per kg per os every 12 hours. Or you can use amoxicillin at 20 mg per kg every 8 to 12 hours. Or minocycline at 10 mg per kg orally every 12 hours. Or convenia injections, two doses, two weeks apart, subcutaneously. Currently, it's debated how long to treat Lyme disease with antibiotic therapy for. We know that there's a long duration of Borrelia harboring within the body. If treatment's indicated, it generally should be continued for 4 to 6 weeks. Again, patients should be monitored for acute improvement. If immediate improvement is not seen within a few days, further diagnostic workup should be performed. Make sure to tune in to podcasts four and five, where we'll talk more about chronic Lyme disease, including monitoring for proteinuria or microalbuminuria, and also how to treat the devastating, potentially fatal Lyme nephritis.